Hello, language hackers. Benny here, welcoming you to episode 20 of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, Shannon and I chat with Johan Tekvac of Pensée Authentique, a website and learning resource for French learners. Though we've made sure this episode is relevant for all languages. We go over using systems to learn languages. Johan is an engineer like myself. How to improve just a little bit every day, whether that's at language learning or building a language business simplifying and de-stressing the language learning process, how putting a reward system in place can help with motivation. We hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, or if you've been enjoying the podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a review. It'll help more learners like yourself find the Language Hacking Podcast, and your reviews have a big impact. Let us know what's working for you at languagehacking.com slash review. As always, we really appreciate hearing from you, and we read every single review. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com slash 20. Now, on to system-based learning and our interview with Johan Tekvac. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Language Hacking Podcast. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Shannon. Hello, I'm Shannon. And today, we're interviewing Johan from Français Authentique. And he has a very interesting story about how he got into languages. So I'll kick things off by handing it over to you, Johan, if you want to give us a bit of your background. Yeah, so hi, everybody. Hi, Benny. Hi, Shannon. Thank you for having me. Um, so how can I say, uh, it's a very, as you said, it's a very, very long story. Uh, I, I don't consider myself, uh, being a polyglot, uh, at the moment I'm speaking English, German, and French fluently and a little bit of Italian. Uh, and I have never been a language passionate, you know, I don't learn for fun. I don't learn languages for fun. I don't uh, learn just to collect languages. I have always been very practical. In, really in terms of language learning, I am just learning what I need, right? I have a kind of approach uh, that I call the just-in-time learning. I learn what I need right now. And that's how I had to learn English. I mean, everybody in the world uh, is supposed to, <laughs> to be able to speak English. And that's how I had to learn German because as I uh, started my career as an engineer, uh, I worked in Germany and I had to... Um, to, to learn the language, uh, to, to have my first uh, job in Austria. It was also a kind of different German that, uh, that you guys are used to, but uh, that's how uh, I started. And, uh, in this journey, while I had to, to learn these languages, uh, I discovered a lot of uh, natural methods. Uh, Steve Kaufman is one of the first uh, guys that I met, uh, in this regard. Uh, I followed your uh, contents, Benny, as well. And I discovered this uh, language hacking uh, strategies. I discovered that we can use system to learn languages. I learned that it's better to use the 80-20 rule to learn exactly what is most important. And that's uh, what I tried to teach people who wanted to learn French. And that's how my uh, Français Authentique journey started, basically. 
So you are self-taught in a lot of the in the languages that you speak in German, English and Italian. And I also know that your wife used the same methods that you used to learn a language as well. So I'm curious exactly what is that method? Yeah, so I'm not self-taught in English because as everybody in the world, I had to go to school. But when I left uh, school, I couldn't speak. So it, it was really uh, as a lot of people, uh, especially in France. Uh, in France, we are not very good at languages. It's not a cliche. It's really the truth. It's not that we don't want, uh, but I think there are a lot of reasons why we are struggling. Um, the methods I'm using are basically trying to listen as much as possible uh, in my dead times. So we all have a lot of time where our mind is free, but our body is uh, doing something else. So my strategy has always been to try to listen as much as possible And I try to really focus on content uh, that is interesting to me, never listening to something uh, just because it's in the language I am trying to learn. Because as you guys, I really believe in the fun part of learning languages. Uh, that's why I like the way you are teaching, you are creating these challenges. Uh, we really have to learn uh, uh, by while having fun. And that's basically what I do. So that these are the really the main focus on my studies, listening to a lot of content, uh, trying to focus on a lot of interesting inputs and trying as soon as possible to uh, be able to repeat out loud uh, yes, to, to make sure that my uh, brain uh, is uh, used to listen to me speaking in this language. And you got into this, uh, did you get into this originally with uh, your goal to speak German so you could work um, in the auto industry or did it come before that? No, it was exactly at this time. It was exactly at this time. So I studied German in school, uh, but I was ashamed to, to tell it, uh, to, to the people I met in Austria because I really wasn't able, I mean, to, 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 to do the same, the easiest sentence. It was impossible for me. Um, and I really started to use this kind of method in Germany, uh, in Austria. Uh, with German and it's the, the struggle for me is always to, um, to be able to understand as soon as possible, because as I know that as soon as I'm able to understand 80% of a speech, then I will be able to focus a lot on the input and I will be able to, uh, to improve. But the trickiest part for me, and that's why I like the way you are with your, with your system to hacking it is really to be able to understand. The first uh, weeks are the most difficult. And how do these methods play out in your own teaching with Francais Authentique? So basically, I have uh, seven rules uh, that I call the seven rules of Francais Authentique. And um, these rules are, first of all, uh, focus on listening. So that's what I said. It's really uh, something I, uh, I teach a lot. The second one is uh, not listening to one piece of content once, but repeating a lot and a lot. That's what I'm doing. Um, not only It's not only true for language learning, by the way, it's true for everything. If you really want to master something, uh, you have to listen to it a lot. So that's the second rule. My third rule is to use this dead time that I mentioned before, because one of the uh, first barriers uh, that 
I hear when people tell me I want to learn French is I don't have time. We are all too busy, but we all have a lot of time in our days, right? When you go outside for jogging, when you cook, when you uh, do the grocery, you, we all have a lot of time to listen to languages. So that's the uh, rule three. Uh, then I focus, uh, and here it's probably the um, the only difference between your uh, philosophy and mine is I'm more a guy that says try to learn a little bit every day and don't focus to learn too much on one uh, really at at the beginning, right? So that's the the fourth fourth rule is the kaizen. Are you aware of the kaizen in uh, in Japan? Right, this way of uh, trying to improve just a little bit day by day. So that's what I'm trying to teach as well. Um, but it's more related to my personality. I'm not really. Uh, it's not easy for me to to say, okay, I will learn really a lot in one week. I'm more a middle to long term guy. Of course, and I'm curious because uh, you uh, don't necessarily have Japanese among your projects. What got you into Kaizen specifically and what began this uh, this philosophy of taking things nice and slow? Well, how is that a part of your story? Great question. Um, I worked in the automotive industry and uh, they started to use it a lot in the quality department because, you know, with Toyota uh, and all these uh, automotive uh, industry uh, people in Japan, they were and they're still very successful. And everybody, also in Germany, started to copy them. And this Kaizen uh, philosophy is what is something I learned in uh, quality department. And uh, it's, it's really a philosophy. It's not only something you can use in quality, you can use it in management, in your daily life, in your personal life. And I think it's something very interesting for language learning as well. Can you describe a little bit more specifically exactly what the Kaizen philosophy is? So to me, it's uh, something very easy. So we, we, I know that this, uh, these applications can be a little bit complicated, uh, but I, to me, it's simply do a little bit every day. So build the habit of learning the language, of practicing the language. And to me, it's better to practice 15 minutes per day from Monday to Friday than uh, doing three hours every Saturday, by example. So it's really this, this way of uh, trying to learn just a little bit every day. Excellent. And in terms of uh, how Conseil Authentique has grown, how because like, you've got almost 900,000 subscribers on YouTube and you've got a lot of different content out there. Like what's, what's, uh, I'm curious to hear how, um, what inspired you to start making this content and how has it grown in your view over all these years? So how it's grown. So I start with the second part of the question, uh, is because of the Kaizen. I started when we, when we see the France Authentique, uh, YouTube channel now with, uh, almost 900,000 subscribers who say, wow, it's huge. And myself, I cannot believe in it. But I also know that I started in 2011 and that I have been publishing content for years, right? So it's also a lot of effort. And this uh, Kaizen philosophy apply as a cre content creator as well. And you know, <laughs> you know it, uh, Benny, because you also produce a lot of content. It's exactly the same. So to me, the reason why it worked and a lot of people are still following it is because I was very consistent and I always tried to 
ask my audience what they need. So I always try to communicate with them to provide them with uh, content which is useful for them. So that's um, how it has grown. Uh, how it started, uh, it's really, as I said, I was in, uh, in Austria. I was struggling a lot. I met a lot of people in Austria uh, who wanted to learn French. And we also uh, spent a lot of years learning it at school. And I really wanted to support them with authentic content, so real content spoken by a native. It was very, it was, it was scarce at, the, at this time. So in 2011, uh, you couldn't find a lot of uh, authentic content online. It became uh, a lot more in the, in, in the last five years. But that was my goal, simply uh, providing interesting content for people to, to learn. Kind of in the vein of Kaizen, I know that one of your teaching methods is to simplify and de-stress learning a new language as much as possible. Can you go a little bit more into depth on that? Yes. Um, so here it's also, uh, I'm lucky to, to be passionate about personal development. So that's uh, how I came into this, uh, these things of uh, trying not to stress out. Um, uh, it's, uh, my nature is, uh, I'm quite stressed out as a human being. And uh, I had to work a lot to really uh, taking it a little bit more easy. And uh, while I read all this book about staying calm and uh, don't stressing out, I discovered a lot of things that we could apply to language learning because one of the biggest challenge for someone who is learning a new language and who is trying to speak it is emotion, the emotion part of our brain was telling us, Hey, you, it's weird. You, you are, you are not able to speak. Uh, and it's very, for a guy who is starting to speak another language, it's very easy to stress out. And, uh, um, I, tr I just try to transpose what I learn into, uh, language learning and uh, a lot of people find it helpful. Yeah, I, I would agree. Absolutely. There's a lot of overlap and, uh, people, tend to uh, think a bit too much about the grammar and the vocabulary as their biggest problem to solve with languages, whereas uh, self-development uh, is a huge part of it and being able to manage your emotions and such. So what, what other aspects of self-development that you've learned have you brought into your uh, language learning career? I mean, the other one, the biggest part is the habit part that I mentioned before. So I'm really... Uh, very focused on productivity. I'm a little bit uh, crazy with it. It's, it's almost a passion, you know, when you want to read uh, everything that, uh, that you can on, uh, on this topic. So I really like productivity. And I saw that to be productive, you have to install habits in your life. So I read a lot of books about habit uh, creation. And I try in my uh, personal life to build habit for everything that is useful. If I want to eat well, I build the habit. If I want to exercise, I build the habit. If I want to learn a new language, I, be, I build a habit. And that's what I try to, to teach as well. I try to, um, to, to, to help my audience to build the habits of practicing and learning French every single day. So that, that, that's to me one of the biggest uh, personal development parts uh, that I try to use. 
You had mentioned before that you wanted to create authentic content in French for language learners. And I know you could have easily started your blog or your YouTube channel in English teaching French, but instead you decided to create exclusively French content. So you write in French, you blog in French. Were you worried about um, not being able to reach as many people by doing it this way? Or was that not something that you thought about when you started? I, I thought about it, but I wasn't uh, worried at all. So it, it was my chance, basically. When, when I uh, watched online uh, what creators had to offer to people who wanted to learn French, you could only find blogs uh, in English translated to French. So there was no real 100% authentic French online. And um, I didn't stress out because I didn't need it, right? I was working in the automotive industry. I built it as a side project. So it became my job, but it was at the beginning a side project. And I never stressed out about it. So it was just a test. I saw very quickly that I had an audience. So it really encouraged me to do more. But um, I, I, I was absolutely not sure that it could work because, as you said, sometimes when uh, nobody is doing it, there is uh, probably a reason. But uh, it wasn't a big concern to me. It, I, I saw it as a strength. And uh, you say that you, you weren't too stressed by, by it, but I'm very curious about how you made this transition to become a less stressed out person because you say that your natural tendency is to be stressed. But um, other than Kaizen, obviously, to, to not pressure yourself and just take a little bit of uh, content at a, at a time each day, what, uh, if somebody were to come to you and say, I am completely stressed out by the idea of speaking a language, I'm so overwhelmed by it, and it just drives them crazy, and that would put them off the language, what kind of lessons have you learned to help to mitigate your own stress that you would advise to those kinds of people? Um, so here it's, it also goes a little bit against, um, your main philosophy of learning a language very quickly, because, um, before I tell someone, uh, speak as soon as possible, try to speak. Uh, it doesn't matter if you uh, make a lot of mistakes. What I also uh, believe, uh, I, I would make sure that this person is not this kind of person that stress out, right? I would say, okay, know yourself. Uh, are you a person that is easily stressed out? Uh, if you have a problem dealing with your emotion, maybe try not to speak too early. Uh, maybe try to listen as much as possible to build confidence alone, to uh, practice yourself at home alone, to speak alone, to sp speak with yourself in the shower, right? So th that's really what I would tell people. Don't, don't rush. Uh, don't try to be uh, too quick. Know yourself because that, that's the, the main uh, problem that we face when we stress out is that we don't really uh, introspect. Introspect. So we we try. We say, okay, everybody try to speak as soon as possible. I have to do it as well. And I know, by example, that it doesn't really work for me. So if I start to, if I learn a new language and I start to speak too early, I will stress out, and it may destroy my confidence. And if I destroy my confidence, it will make things um, more difficult. So. Here, the, the advice I would give is know yourself, right? Uh, take really time to, to, to feel uh, how you react and don't try to push yourself too hard. 
Yeah, and, and I I actually agree with that. Like uh, I know you you feel there's this uh, this um, mismatch, but I've actually always felt that the intensity of learning a language is only useful when you feel up for it. And I have only done an intensive project when I've felt myself in an emotional state when I can do it, in um, a mental health state when I can do it. And I've had to take a break for a couple of years. Um, like this year, I'm back to intensive mode and I'm enjoying it. But for the last few years, I was very stressed out and I wasn't in a place when it would be useful. So my my kind of contrary advice on that point is generally to people if they are feeling stressed out to maybe in terms of following my lifestyle of intensity, maybe intensively focus on that stress. Maybe that should be your project to, to see if you can make your life less stressful through whatever means that would be. But I, I like that ultimately there's a balance of everything, you know, so you don't have to always be 100% go, go, go all the time. As a language educator, you've obviously worked with lots of students given your YouTube subscriber count alone. So I'm sure you've come across some really common roadblocks for language learners. You had mentioned not having the time before, but what are some of the other common roadblocks you see? Uh, so yes, uh, not having the time is probably the is probably the biggest one. Uh, what do people tell me? A lot of people tell me, uh, Johan, I don't have the opportunity. How do you want me to learn French if I live in Germany, Morocco, the US? Uh, and this um, excuse is the to me the the least acceptable because in I mean in the time of uh, of the internet. Uh, we all have the opportunity to speak with people. I mean, you are in the US, I am in France, we are speaking on Zoom. So we really have a lot of opportunities. Um, the motivation is uh, sometimes a challenge for learners. Uh, they say, okay, at the beginning, I'm very motivated. Uh, I'm able to learn uh, a little bit every day. But after two weeks, uh, I give up. And here, my advice is really to focus on so something that you like. So that's, uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds a little bit cliche, but that's the truth. Um, this morning at seven, I went for a run outside. Uh, it's not because I really like it, but what I did is I uh, linked a, a reward to it. So I listened to my favorite audiobook. And when I have to go for a run outside in the, in the cold, uh, I do it and I know that I will have my reward. So if you don't have motivation, uh, try to attach a reward to the learning uh, because it, it will really help you keep it up and uh, practice it every day. So that's also the reason why I am teaching a lot of personal development stuff on my content. Uh, it's because I really like it. And it's also because I know that uh, providing this interesting content can make people listen to me and it will motivate them to uh, learn the language. So these are really the main uh, advices I would give on this topic. So uh, if, I, if I have this right, I believe that uh, you started uh, Français Authentique right after you went through a very difficult period in your own life and you, you had an accident. And I think uh, this kind of story can maybe help a lot of people who might be going through very specific struggles. So I'm curious about that and if you can share a little bit of that story with us. Yes, yes. So it, it's not really, um, 
uh, I didn't start it because I had this uh, this problem. Uh, but but uh, what happened is uh, I had this idea of creating France Authentique for a long time. And I procrastinated on this, right? Uh, it's very easy to say, okay, I will I think about it later because I'm not sure if it will work. I'm not sure uh, how to do it. I have no idea how to start. And uh, I had a, a, an issue. I was uh, at the hospital because I had, uh, after I played squash, I had a an, an heart problem. It's not a disease. But my heart wasn't responding well, and I spent one week uh, at the hospital. It wasn't a big issue, so at the end, uh, there was nothing, but I had to stay there. And I used uh, this time at the hospital to read a lot. And one book, so it's the uh, Getting Things Done from David Allen. And this book is very complicated if you use all the productivity system, but it has one very simple uh, hint. It tells you, if you have a project, just define the next action. And I was on this, uh, I really still vividly remember how I was. I was uh, at the hospital and I said, okay, you are struggling with this idea, right? You don't know where to start. What could be this next action? The next action was record, shoot a video. You don't have to buy the most expensive camera. Just take time to shoot a video. That's your next action. I wrote it and three days later, I recorded my first video and um, it was terrible, but I did it. And then with this Kaizen philosophy, I could improve on it and I could, uh, in the last uh, nine years, build a real YouTube channel. But this, um, yes, this, this accident um, really yes, led me to read this book and to have one idea. So sometimes just one idea can change your life. So the next step is really easy when you're just getting started and you're basically starting from scratch. So there's a pretty clear next step, but considering what your company has grown into today, how do you figure out what that one next step is without it getting too complicated? That's a real struggle. It's true because uh, we all have this uh, fear of missing out and you always think that you should be doing something else. So one uh, thing I do is I don't check uh, my competitors. I never check what the others are doing. Sometimes it's hard because you always have these YouTube videos of your competitors which are popping up uh, on your feed. But I really don't uh, check what the others are doing. I just focus on what I like and what my audience need. So I really try to focus on these two topics and I try to keep it as simple as possible, um, which is always a challenge and which is uh, yes, never easy to do. But I would say this, so I, I don't look, uh, look at what the others are doing and I focus exclusively on my audience because by example, if you teach um, slangs or idioms in French, you have years of content ahead. And if it worked for nine years, it will work for the next nine years. And I will never run out of uh, uh, idioms, by example. So I really try to focus on what works and don't really try to test uh, something else uh, all the time. And when you've made this much content and reached this amount of people, uh, of course, you would have inspired a lot of people through that content. Have uh, you had any interesting stories from your subscribers about how your content has pushed them forward with their French? 
So I, I don't have one typical uh, example, but we receive really a lot of, uh, of uh, testimonials of people saying that uh, they wouldn't have imagined uh, being able to speak French uh, in their lives. A lot of people, and that's, that's also one of the reasons why I uh, started France Authentique, is uh, when people have studied French for nine, ten years at school and are unable to speak it, Uh, and think that they will never be able to speak it. Uh, I'm always happy to hear that uh, just these little simple things that I am sharing can help them uh, do the first steps that will enable them to speak it fluently later. So this, this, these are the yes, the majority of the testimonials that we get is really this. Uh, you know, this it made a click. Uh, I can do it actually, and it doesn't have to be complicated. So this. These are really the the, the um, testimonials that we receive. We've talked quite a bit about stress. So um, as far as stress goes, it can be something that can really deter a learner's motivation and make it difficult for them to stay motivated to continue on with the language. So what would your advice be to someone who's struggling with motivation? Um, so the, the first point is what I said before, find something interesting, right? Find a reward. Uh, that would be the first part. The second part is, uh, take time to figure out what, why are you learning the language? So sometimes when we lack motivation, it's because we don't have a why. Um, why are you learning French? Are you learning it to impress your coworkers or are you working it because your dream is to live in France sometime? So what I would recommend people, and I have a lot of my students uh, do this exercise, is really to take time and to wonder why you are learning it. And if you don't have a real reason, there is actually no reason to learn it. So this lack of motivation can also be the sign of uh, a lack of why, a lack of, uh, of a sense of purpose. So it's very important to know why you are doing it. And that's how I uh, messed up with Italian because I started to learn it at home alone. Uh, and I learned it because I love the language, I love the country, I love the food. These were the only reasons why I learned it. And after a while, it became a little bit boring to me and I had problem to motivate myself every day to learn it and uh, learning a new language is very difficult. You have to put the time and uh, I am normally very good at motivating myself. So I took time to really figure out why it was, uh, it was like this. And I saw that I didn't have a real why. So without a why you cannot put uh, all this effort every single day. And what's your why with the languages that you are passionate about? The why uh, with German was that I needed to work in Austria. So it was very easy. Uh, I lived there and uh, I had to connect. And basically the, the why for me and for the next languages I will learn will always be connection with people. So this is the most important things. Um, I am spending a lot of time in Morocco because I opened a Français Authentique uh, company there. The, this is a big part of my audience and I wanted to serve them well. And I could imagine uh, learning Arabic because I spend a lot of time there, because I meet a lot of people there and because um, it's clear Uh, the language is part of the culture. And if you want to know the culture, you have to know the language. So the why, uh, in my opinion, 
will always be correlated to connecting with people. And what for you about language learning is the most challenging thing? You you told it, motivation, I think, because there, there are... There are a few things that you really, really have to practice every single day if you want to improve. So to, to me, the key, really keeping the motivation uh, is the most difficult part. Um, the emotion uh, or the, the negative emotions that you have when you start speaking can be a very big problem as well. So, I mean, as adults, we are not used to... Uh, not being able to express what we, what we want to say, right? We, we learned uh, our mother language when we were young and uh, we are not used anymore uh, not being able to speak and to, to express our ideas. So this uh, can be a very big issue and that these negative emotions uh, are probably one of the reasons why uh, language learning is not that easy. So at the, at the start, you were saying that... Um you really embraced a lot of concepts that I would absolutely share in terms of the Pareto principle, like the 80-20 and such. And uh, even if we don't have necessarily congruency in the intensity, I think we definitely have congruency in embracing these uh, efficiency and productivity hacks. So with that in mind, uh, we'd like to ask people on this podcast what their understanding of the term language hacking is. So what would that be for you? So what it would be is, first of all, a uh, big philosophy. And I do agree, we, sh- we really share a lot uh, of, uh, of ideas, uh, is not focusing on the mistake so and not trying to understand everything. Sometimes uh, people ask me, uh, what is the difference? I will translate it in English. What is the difference between almost and, um, you know, two, two words that are very, very similar? Uh, let's say uh, almost and nearly. What what is the difference between almost and nearly? Uh, I would say it's not important. Why do you want to know this, right? So not trying to understand everything. I really like the way you are speaking about the 80-20 rule. So I really always try uh, in language learning and in everything else to focus on the 20% that is that are bringing the 80% of the results. So that's why uh, I really try just to understand the basics of uh, the of the grammatics but just the basics is there uh, how are the nouns uh, do you have masculine feminine do you how are the tenses but really just um, just the basics just the basics and what is behind to me is uh, you will never be able to speak it perfectly uh, there is no uh, french learner that will be able to speak it without making any mistake the goal should be to become better. It's clear. I mean, you are, what, what are you in French? C1, right? Uh, I was C1 at the end of my last intensive period. I'm reactivating it now. And I would say probably within a couple of weeks, I'll be back to a good solid C1. Okay. So, but even with a solid C1 or C2, uh, you will still uh, make mistakes. I probably made uh, 20 or 50 mistakes uh, since the beginning of the podcast. So the goal shouldn't be to be perfect. But And the goal shouldn't be to understand everything. So that's uh, what I started with is, it, ne- never mind, don't try to really understand all the subtlety of the languages. 
especially French. It's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a strange language. <laughs> you probably experienced it. And um, yes, that's what I would say. So um, with language hacking. And what are your current projects that you're working on? We have basically uh, no new project at the moment. So we are in a phase uh, when we try to optimize what we have. So we are launching uh, one to two courses per year, and we are trying to um, to improve our systems because in every uh, community, every platform, uh, when you don't put efforts, the systems uh, are not smooth and they can become a little bit, uh, uh, they, they need to be updated. So we are really working a little more on the website, on the platforms. I have a subscription that people uh, uh, join and we needed to, you know, to redesign a lot of things in it. So I, I if you just take the current content I'm producing, it already, uh, it's already taking a lot of my time. So I publish two podcasts per week, one video per week, uh, a lot of, uh, content. So this is the free content, a lot of content for my premium uh, members. So creating content is really a big part of uh, what we are doing, what I am doing. And the other part is really optimizing our systems. So it's also a kind of Kaizen way of seeing it. Uh, always trying to improve and to, uh, to solve problems uh, and not trying to pursue too much new projects because uh, uh, it's not always what is the most useful for your audience. Yes, yeah, so I'll make sure that uh, all of the links to all these um, resources are available to people in the show notes. So they'll definitely be able to go and check you out. But otherwise, uh, thanks so much, Johan, for joining us today. I found it very interesting. Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was very interesting for me as well. And I really like what you are doing. So keep up the good work. Yeah, you too. <laughs> thanks. Okay. And until next time, uh, happy language learning to everybody listening. Happy language learning. Happy language learning. <laughs> In each episode, Shannon and I like to share an actionable takeaway that you can put into play right away. And in this chat, Johan shared the importance of following the 80-20 rule. He shares that you should focus on the fundamentals, follow the process of Kaizen to improve a little bit every day, not worry about really detailed things like the differences between words like almost and nearly, and setting a goal to be better, not perfect. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I know that I found it fascinating interviewing Johan. Thanks for listening. And if you found this interview helpful, don't forget to leave us a review at languagehacking.com slash review. Until next time, happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.